And of course, it's always fun when we get to uh, to welcome Brent Hubs of BallQuest.com to the show. He's with us for this third hour of the program. And once again, Brent, we've got some threatening skies as you sit down with us. How are you? I'm parked on the wrong side of campus. I feel like a college freshman again. I'm on the wrong side of campus. I walked a long way to class today. No, I'm great. I hope you guys are doing well. Yes, sir. And if you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900. Star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Brent. There was, of course, much said about last night, uh, last week's game. But what was it like just to see the atmosphere, everything, before we saw the uh, the delay? But to see a sold out Neyland, to see the light show, to uh, to just see the teams go back and forth as they did. What was last Saturday like to uh, to witness? It's a fun football game. I mean, it really was, and it was a uh, it was a well. It was for the most part a well played football game. It wasn't overly sloppy uh, when, when you think about it. I mean. Certainly, some both sides feel like they could execute better, but you didn't have the ball on the ground a bunch. You didn't have just dozens of penalties. It, it wasn't overly sloppy. It was high intensity. Um, thought it was played pretty cleanly, and I thought the light show was great. And it's what you want Saturday night in the SEC to be like. And and it, I mean, the Tennessee fan base showed up. Josh Heupel asked them to, um, and and they did, and they were in force, and and they were loud, and it created a really good atmosphere. Uh, for a really good football game, I, 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 you know, I know so much is taken away from the game, uh, but but I thought overall it was a good football game. Brent's appearance is brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. And again, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Right after the game, Josh Heupel said he did not feel like the fans throwing debris on the field would have a negative impact with recruiting. Uh, I expect that from him. But Kevin Steele spoke at the quarterback club, and he's been a longtime coach in the league. He said he didn't think it would have a negative impact on recruiting either. Do you concur with those opinions? Yeah, I don't. I don't see it being an issue in recruiting. Um, I, I don't. Uh, was, was it a was it a, a scene that you don't want to have? Absolutely. Uh, but but I don't think there's a high school player uh, who's going to take Tennessee off the list or who's going to bump Tennessee down uh, because of it. I don't think there's going to be parents who are going to go. You can't go there because it was too rowdy or it was that. I just. I don't see that being being a factor. I think there's much more, from a recruiting standpoint, there's much more positives to take away uh, than there is negatives just because of the atmosphere, uh, the way it was played, the intensity it was played at, uh, the support of the fans. Um, I, I think that leaves a much more favorable impression than, than what happened at the end of the game. There's a chance that Hendon Hooker will not play against Alabama on Saturday. How do you think Joe Milton would fare if he does get the nod? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, what we don't know is we don't know how much Joe Milton has developed, how much he's improved, um, where his game is. Um, you know, our last impression of Joe Milton was a really poor play at the end of the game, uh, just a play you can't make. Uh, you got to know clock. you got to know time and place. you got to give that ball a chance in the end zone. And if you do make a decision to tuck it and run it, you sure can't run out of bounds. Um, you gotta, you got to truck somebody. you got to try to truck somebody. Uh, whatever the case may be. So, I, I mean, that's your lasting impression uh, with with, with um, Joe Milton. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, you know, that, that offense was 
was getting a, a bit of a rhythm. They were not in rhythm on Saturday night. They had their chances, but for the most part over the last month, they've gotten in rhythm thanks in part to Hendon Hooker's play with his arm, but the way they're using his legs um, and kind of the they sort of found themselves, if they will, with, with Hendon Hooker. So, um, you know, if Joe Milton plays, he's going to have to get rid of the ball on time. Jimmy, he's going to he can't hold it and pat it back there. And then when he decides to run, he's got to run with some authority. He's got to run with more authority than, than he's run with all season long. I didn't think his legs were anything to wow you with in the in the Bowling Green game or the first quarter of the Pittsburgh game before he went to the bench. Do you think the play calling will be different if Milton's a quarterback versus Hooker? I don't think you. I don't think you call as probably don't call as many runs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, quarterback. Yeah, quarterback yeah. runs. I, I think you. You got to be more creative in, in in creating some mismatches that way, and I don't know what all that would, what all that would entail or could entail, but I don't. I think that element of the game has would go away to to a degree. I'm not saying you de- you can't run it at all, but you're going to run it with the idea that he's going to get maybe four or five yards for you, not a 15 yard game. I've, I have found him to be much more accurate when he's throwing a pass 20, 25 yards or less than the deep ball. Would you go more in that direction? Well, I think Alabama, I mean, if, if how's Alabama going to play, you know, I mean, are, are they probably gonna, press, you know, they're probably going to play press. So, you know, can you win the slants? Can your guys win the physical slants? I think that's his best ball mm-hmm. is throwing the slant. I don't think they're, I don't think anybody's going to give Tennessee with, if Joe Milton's a quarterback and we'll see. I mean, I think there's, I'm not ruling Hendon Hooker out of the game at this point, but if Joe Milton is the quarterback, I don't think anybody's going to let you just raise up and throw it right and left like Bowling Green did to start the game. I, I don't think anybody's going to play off coverage and, and bail out and give you that five-yard out or eight-yard out or whatever that, that was that Tennessee made a living with those first two drives uh, against Bowling Green. I think they're going to say, hey, let's see if you can throw the deep ball because we haven't seen you throw it. We'll play press man. We'll stop the run. We'll see if you can beat us over the top. If you do, we'll adjust accordingly. Uh, but I, I think that that's the way they're going to play it. Um, you know, I, what's crazy is as much as the last play of Milton was obviously not a very good play, the the, the ball he threw to Walker Merrill was okay, mm-hmm. and then the ball he threw to Cedric Tillman was a good ball. I mean, it, it's the only guy who's going to have a chance to catch it was Cedric Tillman, and if Cedric Tillman's not on snap, you know, 79 or 80 of the game, he might have a chance to go up and get it. He just had no legs left at that point yeah. to go get that ball. Uh, but then, you know, obviously made a huge mistake on the last play of the game. Let's get a call from Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. I called in to ask about the quarterback situation. Some people down here were saying that Hooker had been cleared of having an eight bad ACL injury and seemed to be saying they thought he would be the guy. But uh, evidently it's not a done deal, is it, uh, that he will be the starter of the play? Well, he... Hendon Hooker has practiced this week. He does not have an ACL injury. He does not have ligament injury. Uh, he has practice on the practice field this week. Josh Heupel said today they make a final decision on, on that tomorrow as to where Hendon Hooker was coming out of practice. How, you know, how respond? How has the knee responded this week? I think he he practiced a lot more on Tuesday than I anticipated based on everybody I've talked to, and he's he's practicing you know throughout the week. He's not backed off the reps this week, so. He's got okay. plenty of he's gotten plenty of work to be able to play. Now they got to get final medical clearance to play him, and then they've got to make a decision to play him if if he's not 100. percent And I don't know yeah. what the answer to that's going to be right now. Okay, well that sounds better to me. <laughs> but uh, possibilities. Well, 
friend, I'm glad you think it was a good ball game. I do too. And I, I just, I've never, never been as shocked in my life as I was with that stuff that went on toward the end of the game. Absolutely shocked. Uh, I've, I've not always been a good person, but I've never sold anything to anybody, especially somebody that hadn't done a darn thing to me. You know, so that kind of stuff. But uh, I got to wonder, though, these guys that threw these golf balls and this other stuff, were they going to the game planning to do that? I mean, was that the deal? <laughs> if you bring a golf ball to a game, you probably plan it. That sounds premeditated to me. Now, not necessarily a mustard bottle. Yeah. I think that might have come from a concession stand. You would hope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I mean, certainly in the clear bag policy, they might didn't say, yeah, take that French's on in there. It's good. Uh, I, you know, I don't know about the, the, the golf ball. I don't know how many people bring a golf ball to a game unless you finished playing 18 and, and left from there and went straight to the tailgate. It was a range ball, um, though. Well, some people play with range balls, Jimmy. Uh-oh. Us poor Are you people, telling on us, yourself? Us poor people don't play with Pro V1s all the time, Jimmy, okay? We're, we're, we're not in your golfing stratosphere. So sometimes you play whatever you got. But, no, I mean, I would think, you know, I, I mean, yeah, if you're taking a golf ball into a, into a ball game, I think that you're, you're doing that for a purpose. I don't think you're walking around for good luck carrying a range ball. Steve, we do appreciate the call. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. It's Jimmy who's up next. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing fine. How are you? A uh, quick couple of quick questions. Uh, I'm an old guy with the UT in the 70s, and I know that uh, we had some guys on the basketball team who had no touch on their free throws. And Stu Aberdeen used to stand in the lane with a broom in front of him to make them put an arc on the ball to have some feel, some touch. Couldn't we do something similar like that with Milton? Stand in front of him maybe with a T-shaped broom, uh, maybe at, the, I don't know, five yards in front of him so that he would have to put the arc on the ball? Brent? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where he completed some it, – it's not like he overthrew every deep ball in the preseason. He didn't. I mean, he completed deep balls in the preseason. Uh, he just hasn't completed them in games. He's pl- completed them on the practice field. I, I don't know why it hasn't translated that way. Um, you know, I, I think the I think the reality for him is the, the, the mechanics he have, has and the arm strength he has – I think he's always going to throw the ball hard, you know. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't know that a broom's going to. I'm not trying to belittle anything. I just don't know that a broom is going to help make a difference. And he's throwing it with a little more arc, you know, and, and that's going to turn, you know, change the way he throws the ball at, at this point where he's at in his career. I'm trying to think of well, somebody that I thought throwing... had a great arm, and then was able to develop touch when they did not have touch for a long time. I can't really think of many like that. I'm not saying there aren't any. I just can't think of one like that. Well, if that's going to be his uh, his way of throwing the hard ball, wouldn't he be better suited to throw back shoulders? I think in some cases, yeah. yeah. Sure. But, again, he completed some takeoff routes, deep balls, pretty balls um, on the practice field in scrimmages. and I mean, he hasn't overthrown everybody. He's just overthrown everybody in games. But in the preseason, so the he didn't do that. On. Right in the preseason, he didn't do that, which is why he won the job because he made enough plays in the preseason 
for him to, to make those plays. And, okay, we get a guy wide open, he'll hit him. And he just hasn't been able he, – he was not able to do that in the first quarter against Pittsburgh and obviously in the Bowling Green game. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Vols. Sure do appreciate it, Jimmy. Let's go next to Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, guys. Love your show. Brent, hope you're doing well. Just a quick question about the game Saturday. Uh, Brent, can you talk about our field goal kicking game? I haven't heard much about that this week. But if we make that uh, 48-yarder, I believe, we're kicking that last field goal from the 20, and Joe Milton probably doesn't get in that ball game, and we win 32-31. So just curious what you think about the field goal kicking situation. That's disappointing that he's had that Chase McGrath had two kicks. What I would consider two. Now he had a pressure kick at the end of the first half against Ole Miss, and he made that kick. Uh, he did not make the one on the road at the end of the first half against Florida, which I thought was a big kick to to miss there. Uh, and then you know the the forty nine yarder there that he missed was uh, uh, that was a critical miss. Now that's a long kick. I mean that's not a gimme by any means, um, but that's you know you you hope that you make that kick. He's made a bunch of kicks. He's the most experienced kicker on, on Tennessee's roster and is the guy that obviously they're, the, the, and rightfully so, the most comfortable with at this point. The other option would be um, Toby Wilson, who you would not have even attempted that kick from 49 yards because of a, a lack of range. Uh, and Maybe J.T. Carver, but I don't know if J.T. Carver is ready to kick a 49-yarder in a college game at this point as a, as a first-year freshman who arrived in December. So I think he's their best option. Um, it's just disappointing he did not make that kick uh, because it was obviously a big kick. Thank you, guys. Steve, sure to appreciate it. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Brent, do you think that uh, Kyron Calvert might return? And if so, what would that mean to the offensive line? I think, yeah, I think you're probably going to see him in November. Um, I, I think you're, gonna, you're not going to see him this week. But coming out of the open day, getting ready for Kentucky and Moving down the stretch of the season, I think you're, there's a chance you're going to see him, and that's going to that would give them options, some depth, and some some versatility because he can play guard or tackle, um, and it would strengthen that line. I mean, his injury because it happened so early in fall camp, Jimmy was a little bit glossed over uh, because he wasn't going to be the starter; he was going to be number six, in, in my opinion. Um, and then they go out and they run for 400 yards against Bowling Green, and they run for big numbers against Missouri and. Uh, against South Carolina, and, and you don't think about it. But then you get into that ball game Saturday night, and, and here you're down, you know, Cooper Mays is starting center, then you lose, lose Cade Mays as you're starting right tackle, and his, his his injury gets really exposed. The significance, significance of his injury gets really exposed. So I, I think getting him back um, at the end of this year would be good for this team. you got a lot of snaps piling up on guys. You never know when somebody's going to tweak an ankle or something to that effect. Um, so it would be nice, you know, would be nice to have a guy with some experience and a guy with his size to, to come in and step in either as a, in need of a, if there was an injury. Or here's the other thing, too. If you go back and look at Central Florida and you look at Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel, they've generally played offensive football with six or seven linemen. They have routinely rotated a lineman. They don't wholesale change, but they might rotate a tackle for a series, a guard for a series, just for the tempo of play to keep people fresh. They, they would like to play with more than five if they could get there. And, and I don't know that they're, they're, they've not been comfortable doing that where they are right now. 
but you would like they would like to get there, and I think K. Ron Calvert would give them the opportunity to be there. I know Tennessee's last in the SEC in sacks allowed. Having said that, with the injuries that they have had up front, do you think this offensive line has performed better than you thought it would? Yeah, I think so. Um, here's the thing I don't know about sacks, and this is where I always get myself into some issues with sacks. I don't know if that's a bad protection call um, where, where the offensive line didn't slide a protection or do a protection or move a protection or if the quarterback didn't move somebody. I don't know if that's all on the t- if it's on the tight end. I don't know if that's on the running back. I think the running backs have given up some plays and have missed some assignments in pass protection. I think Jerry Mack said they were a B-minus at, at this point in, in their pass pro. They missed Tyon Evans in that role, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't think all the sacks are squarely on the offensive line. But if you would have said, you know, that they were going to lose Karon Calvert in the preseason and then basically not have Cooper Mays for a good portion of the year, uh, I would have said that they were they were going to have a hard time. And um, that they've done a nice job. I mean, now I didn't expect Missouri to be um, as poor as they are at run defense. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those numbers are, are, are a little bit different there. But, um, no, I, I think that line ha- has played – you know, has played well. The last two weeks they've struggled to pass, bro. Eleven sacks the last two weeks, a lot of sacks. That's a lot. Um, now, they only gave up one, I think, in the second half last week uh, against Ole Miss. So um, they, they cleaned up some things there and, and corrected whatever, um, you know, whatever issues Ole Miss was, was causing them. And I think Ole Miss was kind of bringing two off the right side and, and, and putting Tennessee in, in some bad spots and some mismatches in their protection. They cleaned that up with some halftime adjustments, because I think there was only one sack in the second half. That's Brent Hubbs with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Sports Talk continues to join us. 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen for at Powell High School, where tonight it's the Panthers against Catholic. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of BallQuest.com. 656-9900 if you have a question or comment for Brent. 656 656- 9,900. Brent, we've seen the uh, the preseason Associated Press poll come out. Rick Barnes and the Volunteers are uh, are ranked 18th. What do you think in terms of where they start? Well, if I'm Rick Barnes, I'm elated. You know, I'm elated being fourth in the conference and 18th. And a lot of people talking about rebuilding and all these other things. And uh, just go about your business. I, I think that's is. I think I think it's a great setup. You know, that you when you have a, the newcomers that you have. Um, they don't have a target on their on their chest out of the gate, and, and they got a chance to, to you know build and develop and and get better as, as the season goes along. So your expectations out of the gate are not that you're the best team in the country or a top five team. Um, and you, I mean that sport, it's all about playing your best at the end of the year anyway. Is what you're trying to do. And I think sometimes you put yourself in a tough spot when you're the you know the, the lofty preseason expectations that. You know that that get out there. So uh, I, if I'm Rick Barnes, I, I love my positioning and and I like the the competitiveness that I have on my basketball team. And I'm probably sitting there wondering today, you know, how deep am I going to go with this bench and how am I going to manage minutes? And and that's that's a good problem to have for Rick Barnes. Yeah, and uh, also speaking of Coach Barnes, what did you think uh, of his comments in regards to, I guess, not even just the threats from Jeremy Pruitt's attorney? And uh, and the kind of scorched earth approach, if there is, if this indeed winds up in a lawsuit, is he's uh, encouraging Tennessee to uh, pay him his buyout or um, bear the brunt of embarrassment. Well, Rick Barnes is hot. He was hot that night. He's still hot, and uh, he, he's going to stay hot for a while. I mean, he, he's obviously uh, extremely disappointed, and and um, 
not not happy at all with with the the fact that his name was mentioned specifically in a letter that was sent to the university and he he made that very clear and you know he's got 30 years in this business and, and 30 plus years and the reputation that he has i understand uh where, where he comes from I, and i understand why he would be upset and disappointed and i'm not surprised at all that he responded um sternly the, the way that he did because he's going to defend his reputation uh he's worked hard to, to to build that reputation and um i i, I wasn't surprised that at it that that he said something maybe it was a little more direct but then when you get to know rick barnes you know that direct's pretty much the way it is so mm-hmm. uh when you think about it not surprised at all probably not surprised that jeremy pruitt is also through his attorney seeking to get his money no i mean uh, you know yeah i mean listen 99 percent of these you know firings dismissals end up in a clean divorce right everybody you, we pay you to go away you get your money you go away I mean, what, what are we sitting at now? Jeremy Pruitt didn't get his money, and Brett Bielema's in year four of the fight for his money. He's still trying to get his money, and I think I think they're in year three or four of that fight. Um, you know, and it's never made it to a courtroom yet. But, no, I mean, you know, the, the interesting thing about all of that, the way I read the letter, is he never once says in the letter, I'm innocent, or that I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. At, at, at no point did he say, you know, I've been falsely accused of something or anything like that, um, which is which is interesting. Normally, you know, sometimes you have these fights that are a little bit different than that, and and that was not the crux of his point. the crux of his argument in the letter. Uh, but no, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's twelve million dollars, and um, I'm not surprised at all that that he's trying to go after his money. And I think that's what this is what this is about. It's about getting money. It's about getting it's about getting paid. Is what Jeremy Pruitt's trying to do. This is conjecture. Do you think ultimately there will be some type of settlement? Uh, you know, history of Tennessee says yes, but this is a different regime. Yeah. You know, Randy Boyd's not been, you know, he wasn't there when they settled with Debbie Jennings and they settled with the, the Lady Vol strength coach and some of the other things that have been settled through the years. This, this president, this chancellor, you know, they weren't a part of that, so I don't know how they're going to go. The question I have for both sides that, that I wonder aloud is if this thing is going to go down this road that it's going right now, I don't think they're settling in the next two weeks, then where where's the point where the, the university, is there a point where the university says, you know what, I just want him to go away. I just want this to go away. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of letters. I'm tired of a lawyer being in front of the media. I'm tired of this stuff being insinuated out there. Let's just do something and let's just we're not gonna pay him 12 but let's just make it go away okay mm-hmm. let's just end this thing with 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 a deal where he can't speak to anybody about anything and you move on because we don't want to fight we don't want to spend that amount of money in court anyway on the flip side how far does jeremy pruitt want to take it because it's going to cost him money nobody's nobody's financially supporting jeremy pruitt in this mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think there's any financial backers so whatever gets spent in um, litigation, um, discovery, whatever, all that's going to come out of Jeremy Pruitt's pocket. What is his number? You know, how far is he willing to spend to try to go get that money? Because I don't think anybody really would expect that you're going to get all 12, right? So you're trying to get a settlement anyway. So where's the number on how much each side is willing to spend to take it all the way to a judge's ruling versus a settlement and be done? I don't know the answer to that, Jimmy. And so I, to, to answer your question, I don't. I don't have a conjecture on whether or not they're going to settle or not. I know Pruitt made a statement to someone that I know that if uh, if I go down, I'm taking former with me. 
which I thought was interesting and not surprising. I was trying to find where Dick Vitale ranked Tennessee in men's basketball. I can't find it off the top, but I think he had him in the 20s. He had him like the fifth or sixth team in the SEC. Well, I think they were fourth in the, pre-se- in the SEC the, preseason media. In the they media were, board, right? but he's yeah. got them further down the, the totem pole. Yeah. Vitale does. He's, he's not as high on Tennessee, which kind of surprised me because uh, I, think, I think Tennessee, I think they're going to be better than last year in large part because I think they have a true point guard. Do you think they'll be better? I think they have a chance to. I mean, I think at season's end, yes, because I think they're going to have a true point guard. I think they're going to be established at point guard. I think they're going to have more options in the post. So if they stay healthy, I think later in the year, this is going to be a better basketball team than they were last year because there's going to be more development there. Here's the other thing, too. They've had a normal fall. They've had a normal summer. Okay? I mean, people don't understand. I mean, and, and, yeah, they didn't miss practice, but they didn't practice as a team for a large part of the preseason last year because contact tracing, guys were out. And when you have newcomers and you're trying to blend everybody together, you need all of that work together to develop some on-court chemistry. Then you get to December and you're shut down. You don't play two games. And, and I think I think the starting and stopping and this guy can practice and he can't practice for ten days and this, that, and the other, I think all those things affected the development of that team, and, and they didn't get uh, – they weren't as far along development-wise as you thought they would be. I think this team has a chance to be developed further along by the end of the year. And I also think that Rick Barnes and his staff so good at player development, it might have hurt them more than some other programs. Dick Vitale, Alabama 10, Kentucky 12, Arkansas 14, LSU 19, Auburn 21, Tennessee 22. Which, again, I think that's a little bit low. I think they're better than 22, and I think they're better than six in the SEC. I think they, I think they will be at the end of the year. I mean, I think that's, that's what they're going to be. Um, again, if I'm Rick Barnes, I love it. It yeah. doesn't bother me in the least, you know. Um, but uh, I, I think development of this team, if they stay healthy, they're going to have more options in the post, and they're going to have a true point guard, and I think both of those things benefit this basketball team. Let's get a call from Randall, who joins us. Hi, Randall. How are you? Hey, any better? I couldn't stand it, fellas. All uh, right. Thanks for taking the call. Um, Brent, got a question for you. Okay. Okay. And this is a basketball question. Okay. okay. So they fired, well, basically, Coach Barnes resigned or was fired from Texas because he wouldn't take money, he wouldn't play the money game? Is that correct? Uh, I've never heard that. I think the biggest reason that happened there is they wanted a staff shake up, and he didn't want to shake up his staff. He had a new AD in place there. I think that AD was wanting to make a change and, and move in a different direction. Uh, wanted Rick Barnes to make some some changes into how he, done, how he was doing things in terms of what his staff looked like, and, and Rick Barnes was not going to make that move. Okay. Um, Thank you for clarifying that. Um, but my other question is, is that where does Pruitt come off on even trying to bring Rick Barnes into any of his his claims of wrongdoing? Rick Barnes is not like that. I mean, he is an upfront coach. Uh, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Brent. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't speak for for Jeremy Pruitt's reasonings for mentioning specific names or what he was doing. 
Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's got something that nobody knows about. Um, Rick Barnes has made it very clear he doesn't, and he has invited anybody to want to come look at his program to look at it, which doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, we talked about it in the last segment. I mean, this is about Jeremy Pruitt trying to get his money. Uh, this is about him trying to get, you know, his his some of his buyout money uh, is what this is about. And, and obviously, you know, he's upset and, and angry that they're not paying him any money. And, and, you know, his answer to that is, I'll embarrass you. You know, and I, you know, he well, thinks he's got enough to do that. So we'll see because I think Tennessee at this point, Jimmy, has dug in their heels and said, all right, show your hand. We'll call you. Let's see what you got. That's right. I think they are. Well, I look at it this way. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go I look ahead. at it this way. Don't pay the man a dime. He doesn't deserve a dime from the University of Tennessee. He doesn't deserve a dime. And I'll hang up and I'll listen. Thank you. I mean, I, I think I think that's kind of what Dondi Plowman has said, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, didn't you say that back in January at the press conference? Um, and I, I think that their response is very clear that they're not interested in, uh, you know, being bullied into a settlement that at this point. Again, who knows what happens months from now when you get in discovery and cost and all those things. Mm-hmm. Is there a threshold point where it's not worth it? I don't know the answer to that. A lot of times that happens in cases, you know, where settlements are reached. But uh, we'll have, you know, we'll have to see. I think Tennessee's answer very clearly right now from the president and the chancellor's office is we're digging our heels in and we're we're, we're not we're not moving brent what's going on these days at ballquest.com we're getting you ready for tennessee and alabama obviously going to continue to um dig on uh, whatever we can find in terms of what this lineup might look like for tennessee on, on saturday we've got the uh we'll have the war room tomorrow we've got our podcast up the mailbag podcast is up now uh eric will have his pregame podcast coming up on saturday with we'll a cheat sheet to get you ready i got 10 things i think tomorrow we got some baseball coverage up now uh, we have some. We got some basketball stuff up. We got a lot of things going on right now, and obviously, there's been a lot of discussion this week because there's been a lot of things going on outside of playing a football game. So we'll continue to discuss all those topics as well. All right, Brent, always appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck to the Eagles tomorrow against Clinton. Thank you, appreciate it. That's Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. As uh, his appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen from design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at SunAndScreen.com.